Why don't we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Hallelujah, Lord, you're worthy of praise. Worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless your holy name, mighty God. There's nobody like you, Lord. We honor you, God, with our very best today. Be lifted high in this place, Lord, for you are worthy. You're so worthy, God. And we feel your almighty presence in this house today. Yes, Jesus, we are here for you today, mighty God. Mighty God, mighty God. I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. Hallelujah. Oh, <laughs> Amen. I'll just take a moment here and just uh, let's, let's, let's acknowledge who, who's in this place. And let's thank him for his visitation. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to our rescue, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for visiting your people. God, we couldn't make it without you, Lord. And we're here because we recognize how much we need you. We need you, Lord, and we thank you for showing up. We thank you, Lord, for the strength that we feel in this place. The strength that does not come from man, but it comes from you. Your healing virtue that's in this house that does not come from man, it comes from you. Lord, and we acknowledge, Lord, we acknowledge your presence. And we, uh, oh, for we are people of unclean lips and we dwell among people with unclean lips, God. And we're here today, Jesus, because of you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Ah, whew. I'm telling you, it was so good to just get into prayer this morning. Just amazing presence of the Lord in this place. And I just believe something amazing is going to happen today before we leave. Amen. It's so good to see the Donovan family with us. Can we give our guests a hand clap of appreciation? Yes, and uh, we are going to go ahead and dismiss for, for play practice for the children. Y'all may be seated. <clears throat> I remember when I came back to the Lord, Brother Monty was, was a voice of encouragement. And we had, a, uh, we had a men's prayer meeting one night. And I remember talking to him and he was, uh, he was one of the voices of encouragement. said the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. And I believe that's something that, that people need to hear. Whenever they feel like they've missed, and they feel like that they've walked away and lost it all. That there's, when God calls you to do something, that calling, he never withdraws that calling. When the, when the prodigal son came home, the, the father restored to him everything that he forfeited when he left the house. Every item was waiting for his return. And it's so, 
so wonderful that it, that this just describes the mercy and the grace of the God that we serve. That he would be willing to restore a broken, a broken man, a broken individual. Amen. We're going to be looking in Romans chapter 8. I love this chapter. So many good things Paul writes in this in this book, in this and even in this chapter is just such uh, such deep, profound words. And what a way to start off this this chapter. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit what a what a beautiful what a beautiful phrase no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus he uses some key key words there there's no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. And then there is the, this, uh, this clause there. There's this uh, contingency. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. In chapter 6, Paul explains how Christians are to be dead to sin, but alive in Christ. And that's because Jesus paid the penalty of the law through his sacrifice. When we are united with him in baptism, that penalty is paid for in our life individually. It, it requires that baptism for that penalty to be paid. Some people, they just want to, ex, they want to accept the penalty on the, 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 the payment on their own terms. But, but we are united with him in baptism. That's what Paul said. And the penalty is paid at that point. We are freed from what had dominion over us and now we can be resurrected from an old life that must that old life must stay in the grave i don't want it to get out anybody want that old nature to get out of the grave i want it to stay there because if it stays there i can walk in a new nature i can walk in the newness of life and that's my goal i don't know about you brother and sister but my goal is to stay in this resurrected place of new life and not revert to the old ways but here's the problem sometimes that old pattern comes back and we find ourselves sliding into it but we have to always come back to this place where we we recognize that we traded our slavery to sin to become sons of God we're on this journey we're on this path to become sons of God. Now I think there's a, a misunderstanding of what, of what becoming a son of God is. It's, it, it's, it's, it's a process. and You know, P Paul even talks about uh, uh, travailing, uh, travailing uh, for, for, for his, his, uh, his uh, constituents, travailing for them until Christ is formed in them. And 
brother and sister, today it's, not, it's no different. Christ is being formed in us, but we've got we've to endure the process of sanctification, of sonship in order for, for, for Christ to be formed in us. Amen. I'm on a journey to become a son of God. And I haven't made it there yet because there, there are some key things that we have to understand. We can't be like those who say that once saved, always saved. And we come in and just sit idly on the church pews. Right? How is that any different when we say, all I need is the Holy Ghost? Yeah, you need the Holy Ghost. But what do you need the Holy Ghost for? Some of us need the Holy Ghost to help keep our mouths shut, huh? And thank the Lord that he gives us that power to shut that old wretched man up, huh? Because he tries to come back and retaliate, doesn't he? <laughs> In chapter 7, Paul uses an analogy of marriage to teach how we were married to that old nature uh, we were under the law and we could not meet the law's re, uh, righteous requirements because the law is good. The law is holy. Uh, and the law is eternal. And here's the thing. The law is good, but we are not good, are we? You know what will happen if you stop praying? You know what will happen if you stop coming to church and you stop fasting and you stop seeking the Lord? You'll go right back to it, won't you? Like a dog that returns to its vomit. We'll go right back to that old way of living if we're not careful. And uh, what Jesus did for us was he, he gave us this opportunity to, to, to escape that way of living for good. If we, if we want it. And we want to go through this process of sanctification. Because... Being freed from the law doesn't mean excused from the law. You hear? When Jesus freed us from the penalty of the law, it wasn't, it wasn't to excuse us from the law. We are freed so we can be good, so we can become good through the Spirit. That's the only way, that, that's the only way any of us are going to be good. Is if, is if we can get into that, into that place where we are walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit. Hey, hey how many of you did that when you, first were, when you were first born again? You, you walked out of here and you was walking in the Spirit. I believe there was a spiritual sensitivity, but, but not necessarily a spiritual depth. When we, that spiritual depth will take us into walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit. And that's what we got to do. We got to, uh, when he shows himself wonderful in our life, uh, it's, it's beautiful. He comes to our rescue and he pours out his, his mercy and his grace and his love on us. And he shows us all of his wonder, but then, he, but then he begins to counsel us. That's where the sanctification begins, is when the counsel begins. And, and he begins showing us the, the, the remnants of our old nature, of our old life, so we, can, so we can place them at an altar and say, Lord, I need deliverance over this thing. I need freedom from this thing. I don't want to make excuses for it. I want to be free. Because God's moral code will always be fixed through every dispensation and every generation. No matter what, it's always there. That standard of living will always 
be there. The code of right and wrong will never change. It will never change. But man's interaction with it will. Under the law, in the Old Covenant, there was a list of rules that everyone had to live by. They would have to wrestle their sinful nature into a place of submission, but they wouldn't have any power to accomplish it. The amount of bloodshed in the Old Testament proves man could not live up to the law. But when Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Mediator, He was a man but was also God incarnate. And Hebrews chapter 1 reveals Jesus as the express image of His person. And 2 Corinthians and Colossians reveal Jesus as the image of the invisible God. And 1 John uh, verses... uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For Verse 2, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested in, unto us. Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Apostolic brother and sister, we have to understand and be able to speak with clarity and and confidence uh, that John writes that our fellowship is with the Father and the Son. That's it. That's it. He said, that's it. With the Father and the Son. And there is a distinction because there are things the Father did. Jesus said, he doeth the works. And things the Son did. He gave Himself for the purpose of redemption and sonship. He humbled Himself as a man. And what we have here is we have the Spirit and the man. The Lion and the Lamb. The Father was in the man, Christ Jesus, reconciling the world to Himself. And the man, Christ Jesus, was born to walk a life of submission, to fulfill the law as a perfect man, to redeem all who were under the law. It required a man. Paul ends chapter 7 with the answer to the great dilemma inside of each of us. Inside every man there is a battle for domination. And before Christ, sin dominated us. Before you were born again, before you ever recognized the power of the Holy Ghost working through your life, you couldn't keep yourself from sinning. You was lying, cheating, stealing. All kinds of perversion. I don't need to go into. Y'all know, you adults. Telling lies. (laughs) How many guilty of lies? Y'all lying right now if your hand ain't up. (laughs) Hey, 
Hey, we've all done it, right? Oh, that was just a white lie. What? What? A little one. <laughs> Is it the little ones that'll have us in the lake of fire? <laughs> I don't think little or big. Either way, it's it's going to burn, right? So, but before the Lord did a mighty work in our life and still doing it. He's still working on us. He's still leading and teaching us. And, and sometimes he's, uh, he's forgiven the same sins over and over again, hasn't he? Because we're in the process. We're in the process of learning how to live with that power and that faith to overcome the things in our life, to overcome the obstacles. And sometimes, sometimes it's just... It's just it's too big for us. We, we can't comprehend how we're going to get past this thing. It, this is, I don't understand it. And that's why we can't try to understand it. We have to try to live with the power of the Holy Ghost. We didn't, we didn't have a chance before Christ. We didn't, have, we didn't have any hope. But now we have a pushback. Brother and sister, you have a pushback. Paul was saying, who shall deliver me from the body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through his mind, I can and do. I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, I'll be taken captive by the law of sin. The great dilemma is to recognize our limitations and recognize that he is limitless. I can't do anything, but I can do all things through Christ. At my end, he's still faithful he's still holy and he's still all powerful when I can't fight any longer I, I can find my strength in him when I can't push through I can find my my source of power through his spirit chapter 8 Paul writes about life in the spirit and, and how the law cannot condemn us as long as we are in Christ and as long as we're walking in His footsteps, being led by His Spirit and not our flesh. But that's not always an easy, an easy path to navigate through, is it? Is to recognize where the Lord wants to take me, where He wants to take you, where He wants to lead you, and uh, uh, recognizing where your flesh wants to lead you, and oh, recognizing the dangers of letting your flesh. Tell you what to do. It's when we give place to our flesh that the adverse sentence comes back to us. It's like stepping out, stepping out of grace, stepping out from, uh, from under the covering of the blood. And trying to revert back to the old ways is, 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 is bringing that condemnation onto your life. It's bringing that adverse sentence onto your life. And how many of us had felt that sting when we've done something wrong and maybe we didn't recognize it all, oh, but we feel this heaviness on us. The heaviness of, uh, of our mistake, of our failure. And the, Lord's, the Lord quickly reminds us, uh, where did you go? hear that same conversation Adam where did you go we were naked we hid ourselves sometimes when we mess up we feel naked and we, we hide from God instead of come running to him and saying Lord I've made a mess 
I've messed up. And I feel, the, I feel the weight of condemnation coming back to my life. And I, I, wanna, I want out. I want out. Will you, will, you, will you forgive me? And that's what our repentance should lead us to. Wanting out. Not wanting forgiveness. Not wanting a pardon for the mistake. Wanting out of the, uh, out of the pattern that we have uh, been in that would cause that mistake to reoccur over and over again. I want out of this thing. Every time we give into the sinful nature, we can feel that condemnation. But it should be a reminder for us that the dominion of sin has been broken and we are free from. We are free from it. Every time I feel that, no, I'm free from my past. I'm free from what I couldn't do in my flesh. I'm free from my mistakes. And I'm no longer a drug addict, Brother Brian. I'm no longer an alcoholic, Brother Mike. I'm no longer... uh, That's not who I am anymore. I'm free. I'm a new creation. I've got dominion now. Dominion has been restored to me. And I can walk with power. Romans 8 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. I want to take a a little moment here and talk about a few things. Uh, Brother Bernard writes that there are four laws that Paul writes about. And the first one is the law of God. And that is found in uh, Romans 7, uh, verses 22 and 25. We won't go there, bro. We're going to just make reference to some of these passages so you can give your fingers a break. And that's reference to, to, the, to God's moral commandments, his, his moral law. It's, it is holy, just, and good, but it does not give man power over the law of sin. And that's, that reference is in, is in uh, chapter 7 and verse 14, 16, and then verse 8 and 3, which we're going to read here in just a few moments. And, uh, and then the second law is the law of the mind, and that's, uh, that's found in in chapter 7, 22 and 23. And that's the inner self, the conscience. It can accept and desire to follow the law of God, but it does not have the power over the law of sin. And we can see through this that uh, if, if, we're, if we're without the power, and even though there's something inside of us that wants to live right, we, we actually don't have the power to execute it. And that's what Paul was talking about, this great dilemma of us not being able to accomplish what we want to accomplish. And and we always accomplish what we don't want to accomplish. And that reference is uh, 7, 18, and 25. And then the third one is the law of sin, the sinful nature. And the reference is in uh, chapter 7, verse 23. The sinful nature, the dominion of sin, the compulsion to break God's law, it controls man and his actions. It overpowers the law of the mind and the law of God alone cannot conquer it. That reference is uh, 7 and 20 and 21. And then finally, what we find here in Romans chapter 8, it's the law of the spirit is what we just had it on Romans 8 and 2. The Holy Spirit within the believer The principle of walking after the Spirit. Only this law gives power over the law of sin and over death. 
the result of sin, and that references chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, which we are going to read it. In fact, we're going to read verse, verse 3 right now. For, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. There's a lot there to unpack, but... The only way that Jehovah would be able to save his people would be through fixing what Adam broke. Because disobedience broke the connection with God and fixed a chasm called sin between God and man. And it would require a man's obedience to reverse it or to fix it. Kind of like Brother uh, brother Kevin, when you... Did you get any calls last night? No? Hey, but I'm sure the, the, the fellows in Tennessee got some calls. And that's unfortunate that there was a tornado that destroyed a lot of things uh, in Tennessee. Clarksville, Tennessee. I've I seen a few things about that uh, this morning. And uh, it got me thinking about this, this connection that broke. And what happens is these storms, they blow through and they knock down power lines. And so... Thousands of people will be without power until a man comes and he climbs a pole and he puts that cable, he puts that, he puts that power line back to, back to what will connect it to the energy source. Uh, it's, it's really a beautiful picture of what Jesus did for us. Is he, he, he came to fix the connection, to connect his people back to the energy source. And we can, we, can, we can walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because of what Jesus did. He bridged the gap. He became the ladder, right? He, he became the ladder between heaven and earth. And, and we were able to walk through the gate and be connected to the power source once again because of the mediator. Because a man chose... Because Jesus chose the path of submission, obedience. We are presented with the same options. We are presented with the same options. A choice to obey. A choice to surrender. A choice to submit. And the only way, the only way we're getting in is through complete submission. Complete surrender. We can't be half-hearted and make it through the process. Because if you're half-hearted, if you're divided about the whole, the whole idea of a sacrifice, you won't make it we got to be so committed to the Lord that when he calls us to sacrifice, that there's no question about our faithfulness and our commitment. We're going to walk, we're going to walk with him because uh, I know if I don't walk where he's trying to lead me to, uh, uh, the alternative is going back uh, to what I used to be. But oh, I'm running from that man. I'm running from that individual because I know what he can do. I know what he can do with the wrong influence and with the wrong intentions. I'm running from him. We're not just trying to walk with the Lord. We're running from our old nature. We're running from ourself. God, save us. Deliver us. So, we have to choose it. And that is why Jesus had to be just like you and I. So, so we would have a choice. Because without Jesus, we had no choice. We was just going to do wrong. That was our choice. No matter how hard we tried. We're just going to choose something. We're going to try to do the right thing. We're going to try to do the right thing. But you know what? Somehow we're going to mess it up. But the power, the Holy Ghost working in us, 
gives us the ability to make the same choices that Jesus made. The only difference between us and him is he did not have a sinful nature. He was, he was just like Adam from the beginning. He, has, he had to be made in the likeness of sinful flesh to bring in a, an adverse sentence against the sin in the flesh. What he conquered, he conquered as a man in the spirit. Does that make sense to you? What Jesus conquered, he conquered as a man in the spirit. We've we've been spending a lot of time focusing on the man because really when you consider consider what Jesus uh, did as a man, you cannot confuse it with there being uh, just uh, the second part of the trinity. Because this is what Jesus did. Jesus didn't come to reveal God the Son. He came to reveal the Father. And that's what he did. That's what Jesus did. In fact, what did he tell Philip? When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Show us the Father and it suffices us. Philip, you've been around me for a while, Philip. You don't know. You don't know who I am. The Jews, the Jews thought that they knew, understood who he was claiming to be. When he said, before Abraham was, I am. And they picked up stones to throw at him. How can a man make himself God? Well, he, he, the man wasn't God. You hear me? The man wasn't God. Jesus is not divine flesh. Jesus is a man made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them under the law. That's that's why submission and obedience is so important, because it was the Spirit of God that was reconciling the world through the man. (laughs) You already know this, right? What he conquered, he conquered as a man in the spirit. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now listen, Luke records something interesting in uh, Luke chapter 4 and verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. The spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to do what? To fast and face, listen, and face the same serpent that seduced Eve. But when he faced the serpent, he was empty. Empty of his flesh. Not sinful flesh. Empty of any desire, because Jesus didn't have sin. But what he did, he emptied himself of his, of his desires, his will. He emptied himself, and when he faced the devil, the devil couldn't get him tripped up on anything because there was no place in his life for him. He had rid himself of everything that the enemy could try to seduce him with, and he lost miserably. 
Jesus faced the same temptation Adam did. But this time, the will of man had been silenced through fasting. And Jesus quickly defeated Satan with the word. With the word of God. He did not try to debate with Satan. He handled him the way Adam should have. And after this short showdown, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. For you and I to be... Uh, to, to carry that, uh, to have that same power, we must be led by the Spirit. We must let the Spirit lead us even into the wilderness to fast because there is power that will come from what you conquer in the wilderness. You want to walk in the power? You've got to be led in led into the wilderness of the Spirit uh, so you can come out of that uh, wilderness experience with power and authority. I'm going to face my temptation and, and I'm going to have the Spirit of God that stand on to have His strength uh, and to have Him as my anchor. Jesus was a man who was led of the Spirit. Matthew 12, 28. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Jesus showed us with his life what it looks like to be led by the Spirit of God. If we're led by the Spirit of God, then, then we can cast devils out. Because we've got the power. Because we've got the authority. How do we get power and authority? It's through sonship. It's, it's through that process of, Lord, I'm, I'm crucifying my flesh. I, I'm, I'm denying myself. I'm taking up my cross, and I'm following you. And when you follow him, you're following him through the footsteps of sanctification, where every step you're, you're, you're losing more and more of yourself, and you're stepping into what you've never walked in before because you don't need your own footsteps. You need to follow his footsteps. And if you can follow his footsteps, you can walk in that power and authority. And we can do things like Jesus. Jesus said, greater works you will do. Why? Because you're going to follow in my footsteps. You're going to have me working in your life and giving you power and authority over everything that would try to sign. That's why we can't rely on our own strength, our own talents, our own ability. we got to rely on our submission to God. And then through our submission, we can have that power. When... When a person steps onto the path of sonship, they will begin learning how to follow Jesus. And this will lead them to, to the righteousness of the law being fulfilled in them. We couldn't fulfill it before, but on the path of sonship, we can, we can, walk, in that, we can walk in a way that that righteousness will be fulfilled in our life. And this is what Paul was saying in Romans chapter 8 and verse 4. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. This is a continued focus from Romans 6 and 7. Inside of me is there, is, there is a war for law. Inside you, there is a war for law. The law of sin and the law of the Spirit. And one of these are going to be fulfilled. Somebody... I won't, I won't mention their name. You probably wouldn't know them anyways. 
And you've heard me, you've heard me say this before, uh, that, you know, some people, some people say that what Paul was saying is he wasn't saying that it's, it's the dog that we feed the most is the one that wins. And this is what he was saying. And I, and I, I had to, I had to like think like, how is it not? How is it not? If I feed my flesh, what am I going to do? If I sow into the flesh, what am I going to reap? If I sow into the spirit, what am I going to reap? So it is. It is what I'm feeding, right? If I'm feeding my flesh, I'm going to be walking in the flesh. But if I'm after the Spirit, listen, I'm going to be chasing the things of the Spirit. I'm going to find my sustenance in the Spirit. I'm going to find my strength and, 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 uh, and, and my, uh, I'm going to find everything that I need in His Word and through His Spirit. Because one of these things, one of these, are, one of these laws are going to be fulfilled in my life. Either the law of sin is going to take me into captivity or the law of the Spirit of Christ is going to free me from that. I've come to the conclusion that there are some people out there who just don't understand. Why? Because they don't have the Spirit. And so what they end up doing is they end up making excuses for what their flesh is doing. And they use phrases like, you know, what Paul said at the very end, uh, the very end of chapter 7, misunderstanding what, what Paul is saying, that with, with my mind, I, I, serve, I serve the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. So you're saying that I, I, in my mind, I can serve the law, but with my hands, I can reach for whatever I want to, and we're okay because that's just, that's just my sinful nature, doing whatever it wants to. And that's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying we've got, we've got, a, we've got an anchor. We've got, we've got victory. It's through the Spirit that, that, I, can, that I can fulfill the law. I, I, can, I can walk in a righteous way. And I can have power over that sinful nature. I'm not going to give an excuse for what I do. If you've got a problem with lying, stop lying and use the Holy Ghost to help you. People got a problem fornicating? Don't blame it on your flesh. Blame it on the fact that you don't have the power to stop. And you need the spirit of the living God to give you the power to stop. That's the only way any of us, right? He freed us. He freed us from that. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 18. This I say then, walk in the spirit... And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, lust, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. If we are led by the spirit, our sinful nature cannot do what it wants. You hear me? That's exactly what Jesus wants in every single spirit-filled individual is that sin cannot do what it wants in your life. You don't need to make an excuse for it. You don't need to keep repenting over the same things. You need to find out what has caused you to fall and get a hold of God and pray in the Holy Ghost until that thing is delivered. We're led 
By the Spirit, our sinful nature cannot do what it wants. It has no power to dominate. But some, but some people are okay with letting it dominate them. Right? Some people are okay with it. Verse 5, for they are after the flesh. And that's why they're okay. That's why they're okay. For they are after the flesh. I'm okay with letting my flesh dominate me because that's where, that's where my focus is. That's what I want. I want my flesh to do what it wants to do because it just feels good. But they that are after the Spirit... The things of the Spirit. The battleground is our mind. And our sinful nature doesn't want to die. It's trying to gain control for the purpose of self-preservation. Your flesh wants to try to save itself. The law of sin says, no, we don't need a cross. Our sinful nature says, no, I don't need to bear my cross. I don't need to sacrifice. I can find a way around it. I'll just do good things. And God will see my heart and he'll save me because I'm trying to do good things. No, salvation is only going to come through submission. Because if if the flesh gains control, if our sinful nature gains control, it will bring death. We might not see death now. But we let our sinful nature do what it wants to do. And we will see death. Listen, I know. I know that it's not. It's not an easy walk when you consider what all. God is requiring of us. We consider how we have to sacrifice. Some, some are battle weary. You're, you're tired of the fight. But if you stop fighting, you give in to what verse 6 lays out for us. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so for this, it's worth the fight. I don't want death. I want life and peace. I don't want the destination that my flesh is trying to lead me to. My flesh wants me to be to keep me separated from God. And Paul explains this why this is the case in verse 7 because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God neither indeed can be. So then they verse 8 so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. The law in my members is trying to keep me against God. Your sinful nature is trying to stand in the way of you and God working this thing out. Your sinful nature wants you to be lost. Oh, but inside there's another, there's another voice. It's that inner man that says, I don't want to be lost. I want to make heaven my home. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said. Paul didn't say that the carnal mind was at enmity with God. He put it even stronger than that. The carnal mind is 
enmity against God. It's not black, but blackness. It's not at enmity, but enmity itself. It is not corrupt, but corruption. It is not rebellious. It is rebellion. It is not wicked. It is wickedness itself. The heart through it, the heart, though it be deceitful, is positively deceit. It is evil in the concrete, sin in the essence. It is the distillation, the the quintessence of all things that are vile. It is not envious against God. It is envy. It is not at enmity. It is actual enmity. For a lot of words to say, our sinful nature is hostile towards God. It's absolutely against God. And so what happens? What happens when we let our sinful nature control our life is it, put, it tries to push us into a place where we are in defiance against the one who we want to save us. Nobody wants that, do they? No. So you know what? It's worth the fight. It's worth, it's worth coming to prayer meeting. Right, and I love I love the way Landon Gore put it. I don't come to church because I'm I'm spiritual. I come to church because I'm carnal. I don't come to prayer meeting because I'm spiritual. I come to prayer meeting because I'm carnal. And I know if I don't do this, I'm just going to revert back to my old sinful ways. I'm just going to go back to that old wretched man that I that I was. Without God, we're all wretched, and that's why we need His help. We need His Spirit to help us stay away from that wretched state. fast because I'm spiritual. I fast because if I get so full of the things uh, that bring satisfaction in my life, uh, my flesh uh, will be resurrected and I will want to just let it loose. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to wreak havoc and chaos in my life. People around me are going to feel it. They're going to be like, oh no, he didn't last very long. Look at him. He's back to his old ways. I know that when I came back to the Lord, I know people were like, oh, how long is he going to stay around this time? He's only here for a few moments. Give him a chance. He'll burn out. That's what's so concerning to me when I see new converts come in. And we gotta be, we got to do better about, about letting them know the fight that we're in. Because they come in and they feel the wonderful power of God that flows into their life. And, and, and they feel so, so revived, so renewed. And, and, then, and then when that feeling kind of begins to level out and their life is still a wreck on the outside, they wonder what happened. God, why didn't this thing just go away and disappear? Because you've got to fight. Because you've got to fight. If you want to live, if you want to live in a place where you have peace, where you have peace, where you have peace. Listen, if you want to live in a place where you have peace, you've got to fight. Verse 9. But you are not in the flesh. But in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. A couple things, a couple things out of this passage here. You are in the spirit if you have the spirit. If you have. Everybody say have. Not had. 
Everybody say have, not had. If you have the Spirit, not had the Spirit as in past tense. Oh, I had the Holy Ghost at one point. I remember the day that I prayed through to the Holy Ghost. I remember the day that I was baptized in Jesus' name. But I don't remember the last time that I prayed through. But you know the same individuals would say, I can't remember the last time I felt peace. The tormentor will come. The tormentor will come. And if you're not fighting, and if your house is not occupied, he's going to bring his, his, uh, his oppression into your life. He has to still occupy this house. Paul uses the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ interchangeably. Now this could uh, get confusing if you try to divide the Spirit. When a person receives the Holy Ghost, they receive the Spirit of God, which is the Spirit of Christ. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Paul's not referencing two different spirits. It's the same Spirit. Right? It's the same Spirit. There's only one Spirit. And then in verse 10 he says, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. When we were united with Him in His death, we were also united with Him in His resurrection. So inside of me there is life that I didn't have before. Verse 11, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. The one Spirit of God dwelt in Jesus, raised up Jesus from the dead. He will also dwell in you and raise you from the dead. And because He is the source of life and everything good, He has filled us with all the goodness of His life. And for this we owe Him. And that's where verse 12 leads us. It leads us into verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. Everybody say, we are debtors. Not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. I am a debtor, but it's not to this old nasty flesh. I don't owe it anything. It's dead. I don't, my allegiance is not with it anymore. I got to, listen. When Paul made that analogy about the, about the marriage, we, we can say, I got a new husband. I'm not, I'm not married to that old one. And I'm not about to commit adultery. I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve in the newness of life. And through and through and through his, his spirit, I will find my strength and health. And I will live not after the flesh, because the flesh is dead. Verse 13. But if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Now, I'm going to close right now with this. If I can get it out. Verse 14. 
For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I can't become a son until I learn how to live in the Spirit. Do you hear me? I can't become a son until I learn how to live in the Spirit. And that's what Paul's saying. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Because here's the thing. If we could just become sons at justification, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be worried about sanctification. We would just, like, I'm okay here. I don't need to take one more step. I'm saved. But the fact that we have to learn and we have to grow and Christ has to be formed in us and we, we got we to gotta develop his mind, his thoughts, his character. We got we to gotta be able to be obedient and, and submit our will. We got to be able to learn how to be led of his spirit and navigate through life because life gets crazy and messy and we need him to help us. Because if we don't know how to be led of his spirit, we don't know how to walk. Through the Spirit, I can have dominion over the law of sin that is warring in me. And because I am following the pattern of the Son of God who the Father was well pleased with, I must learn how to submit to the Father just like Jesus did so He can be well pleased in me. Let's stand. The, the, one of the things... That we must, we must uh, fixate on is what Jesus will say to, to us when, he, when we have done what has pleased him. At the end of our life, when he comes and we stand before him, he's going to say something. He's either going to say, well done. Or depart from me. Now, if he says well done, it's because he's been well pleased with my life. It's because I've been a good son. And if I can be a good son, if I can be a good son, I'll hear him say well done. Listen, let's take a few moments, greet your brother and sister, and we're going to come back and worship the Lord and just let him have his way in this place. Amen. God bless you. All right, it's too quiet in here. Hey, now just remember, I heard y'all yesterday. First of all, I just want to say yesterday was such a wonderful, wonderful day. And uh, before we get going, I just want to 
say thank you all so much for your generosity and the gift that you gave us. Um, you all are such a blessing. And we're thankful to be a part of this church. And uh, we love, we love each and every one of you. We believe God's doing a great work here. Thank you for coming and being with us today. Donovan family, we're so, so excited to see y'all. Even if your kids are, you know, so big. It's all right, they grow up, don't they? Why don't we stand to our feet? Psalm 150 says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in this sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with string instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath Praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. I'm going to bless the Lord today. I'm going to praise His holy name. I'm going to magnify the Lord. Why don't you magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. This is the house of the Lord and we will magnify His name from the house of the Lord. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So we're going to do that. We're going to make a joyful noise. We're going to give you an opportunity to present your offering to the Lord. And on your way up here, if you want to cut a rug and do a little dance because of how good the Lord has been to you, and you just want to let Him know, thank you. Listen, you're released to show God the gratitude He's worthy of. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to sing. We're going to, we're going to play some instruments. And we're going to praise the Lord. And God is going to move in this place. Let's magnify His name. Let's let out a cry of praise to the Lord right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, we exalt Your name, Lord. You're worthy of our highest praise. Thank you, Jesus.
testimony. You should have been there. Hey, when God touched my life, you should have been there. Hey, thank you, Jesus. Oh, can we shout, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I used to be. Somebody can leave this place today with that same testimony. You don't believe I've been redeemed. Let me take you to the place where I met the Redeemer. Let me take you to the place where He filled me with His Spirit. Let me take you to the place where I felt His restoration power and His healing virtue begin to release into my life. My brother Mike, I, I wanted to get off the drums there and follow you around this. Woo! I don't think I've ever seen you move that fast, by the way, brother. Yeah. That's what we got to be with. You weren't there the night. Woo! Hey, but some of y'all here right now, and you see somebody, you see somebody running around the church or shouting, they're dancing. Uh, you get to see what happened on that night. Oh, that the chains of bondage were broke. Oh, and now I can walk in the newness of life. And I got a spring in my step. And I got hope in my life. Woo! Uh, we're going we're gonna to open this altar up for a, a moment of prayer over needs, physical needs, spiritual needs financial needs all of the needs in our life the Lord knows each one of them so if you have a need that you'd like to lift up to the Lord and take it off of your shoulders and cast all your cares upon the one who cares for you this altar's open for you to do just that what a friend we have in Jesus Thank you, Jesus. What a privilege to care. Every little thing, say, everything to God in prayer. Oh, say that again. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, that friend is here right now.
right now and just thank him thank him that he's a prayer answering God <laughs> thank you Jesus. God you've answered prayer after prayer for me oh, I can't make it without you Jesus I can't make it without you God thank you Jesus has ever overcome your life. Hey, there is no rival hey, that could ever stand against your mind. And you've always been with us. Every battle you've already won. Listen, we've already won. Hey, 
Jesus. Oh, come on, let's just entertain the presence of the Lord right now. Oh, there's been something released in this house right now. Of hope is breaking through. 
not finished. while you wait 
He's working it out. And while you're faithful in your waiting, He's working it out. And if you can be content in the way, you'll rejoice in the miracle. If you can be content in the wait, you'll rejoice when your strength comes. You'll rejoice when your healing comes. The joy will overtake you in your wait. I'm going to worship while I wait. I'm going to be patient, Lord, because you've been patient with me. And so I know that you're working it out. I don't see see every move that your hand makes, but I know that you're working it out. I got enough experience with you to know that you're faithful. And if you did it before, you will do it again. I got enough experience to know that they that wait upon the Lord, I know that strength is coming. I know that weeping may endure through the night. Oh, but there's joy coming on the other, on the horizon. I see the new day dawning and it's mercy. It's a new mercy. It's a new day filled with your provisions, God. And when you open the door, there is not, there is not one that can shut it. I know many of you are searching for answers. Trying to find a light in the darkness, aren't you? You're trying to see if you can if you can recognize the end. The end of your the end of your waiting. end of your circumstances. I'm here to I'm here to say the Lord placed this on my heart this morning. There is a there is a frequency of the distressed that he hears. You don't have to show your hands of who you are. But I know many of you have been in a place where you have felt distressed. Maybe you're here today right now and you feel distressed. Listen, there is a frequency that God hears. If you can take the strength that you have left and let the sound of your cry of distress be released into the atmosphere and that frequency will be heard by the Lord. 
Will you raise your hands with me right now? I know you've been wrestling things. I know you've been faced with discouragement. You've been faced with doubt. You felt lonely and isolated in your time of need. But maybe you've lost, you've lost sight of what, what frequency will get the attention of the Almighty is if you can just usher out of your mouth the frequency of the distressed, there is a rescue that God will send to bring aid to everyone who has that cry. That's it. Come on. Oh, I release you to receive your strength from the Lord by the authority of the Word of God and by the power that is in the name of Jesus. Uh, receive your deliverance from the distress in your life. Release, release your sound and He will release His strength. That's it. That's it. Come on. Come on, I'm not giving up. This is not how the battle ends. There's another side of this that the Lord has provisioned. On the other side of your turmoil is deliverance. Come on, the Lord. The Lord is releasing it right now. The Lord is releasing His help right now. This atmosphere is charged with the provision of God Almighty. And as unto your faith, let it be done unto you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I release deliverance over you. In the name of Jesus, I release deliverance over you. In the name of Jesus, I release freedom over your life. I speak restoration right now. That the very strength of God would surge into your vessel. And restore in you the will to keep fighting. 
to keep marching, to keep trusting, to keep believing. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> Come on, battle-weary saint. This isn't how your story ends. You're coming up out of this. There is, there is gold on the other side. There is strength on the other side. He hears your cry. Oh, he's nigh. He's nigh to your brokenness. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Come on, something has to break. Something has to break here right now. Right here, right now. Listen, if you need something to break in your life, I want you to come here. I want you to, I want you to get up from where you are and march to this altar. If you need something to break in your life, if you need something to break in your life, I want you to march here. Something has to break. Something has to break. Lord, if it has to be me, let it be broken in me. If it's got to be me, Lord, you said that you're here. You hear the frequency of the distressed. Here am I broken, oh God. Oh, that's it. That's it. Reach for it right now. Reach for it right now. Something is going to break in my life today. Something is going to break in this moment today. I just believe it. I just believe it. I'm standing in it right now. I'm standing in the place where God is about to do it.
about today. It wasn't the first time. It might not be the last, but I'll get up. Yeah, yeah. Seems I can't find within me the strength. But I'm not supposed to be Psalm 118, verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, because His mercy endureth forever. Verse 2 says, Let Israel now say that His mercy endureth forever. Let Israel shout, God is always merciful. Let the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let the house of Aaron shout, God is always merciful. Verse 4, let them now that fear the Lord say that his mercy endureth forever. Let every true worshiper of the Lord shout, God is always merciful. And this is the one of... This is one of the reasons that I can shout it. It's because verse 5 tells me I can call upon the Lord in my distress. And the Lord will answer me and set me in a large place. I can, I can believe that if I cry to the Lord, He will hear me. Because there is a frequency that will break through the darkness and reach the throne of God. And He will release His mercy. He will set you in a large place. Because I know who I can call on in my distress. He, he is locked into that frequency of the distressed. And, and I know that verse 6 declares that the Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Verse 9, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. It's better to trust the Lord over every person, even every leader. I'm putting my confidence in the Lord. All nations 
to pass me about, but in the name of the Lord will I destroy them. Verse 11, they come past me about, yea, they come past me about, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They come past me about like bees. They are quenched as the fire of thorns, for in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. Verse 13, thou hast thrust sore at me that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. But the Lord helped me. Because verse 14 tells me, the Lord is my strength and song and is become my salvation. Verse 10 through 12 says, in the name of the Lord. And verse 14 says, the Lord has become my salvation. And Thayer's definition for the name of Jesus is Jehovah is salvation. So I know that when I call on the name of Jesus, I'm calling on the salvation of Jehovah. I'm calling on the one who is seated on the throne. Verse 15, the voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord doth valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doth valiantly. Verse 17, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Verse 18, the Lord hath chastened me sore, but he hath not given me over unto death. I might have to endure some correction, but he's not handed me over to death. Verse 19, open, open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them and I will praise the Lord. Verse 20, the gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter. Listen, I will praise thee for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. Oh, when he opens a door, there is not one devil in hell that can shut it. There is an open door before us, brother and sister. There is a gate. Verse 22, the stone which the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner. Verse 23, this is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. And verse 24, this is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I will be, I will rejoice. Why? Because I know, I know how to get in. I know where the gate is. And I know the righteous can run into the strong tower. The name of the Lord and find refuge. Why? Because he knows. He knows where I am. He knows what I face. And he can hear the sound of the distressed. And take you up out of that small place, that tight place, and set you in a large place. Verse 25, save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he who, Jesus, that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. Jesus is the name of the Lord. And when you call on that name, 
He said, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anybody shout what that name is? Anybody want to shout it again? Come on. In your weakest moment, in your darkest moment, there is a name that you can call on. You can call the name of Jesus in your distress. And you can experience the saving power of God. Twenty-seven, God is the Lord, which hath showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. Verse 28, Thou art my God, and I will praise Thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt Thee. Verse 29, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Now, why don't you stand to your feet right now and give Him thanks. Give Him thanks for what He's done for you. Give Him thanks uh, for giving you a name that's above every name. Oh, that at the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus. Come on, at the name of Jesus. I cried unto the Lord in my distress. And He came to my rescue. Thank you, Lord, for your rescue. Thank you, Lord, for your rescue. Thank you, Lord, for your healing. Thank you, Lord, for hearing us today. I believe the Lord has heard your cry today. I believe the Lord has visited you today with strength. Come on, the strength, the strength that you needed. You found it here in this place today. If you sat at home, you'd have missed it. Oh, if you had sat at home, you would have missed the strength of the Lord moving through this place. That's why I want to be in the house of the Lord. That's why I want to be in the house of the Lord. I want to be in the place where his eye, where he said his eye would be continually looking. He's looking. He's been looking. Come on. He's been looking into your life. He's been looking into your situation. And he has been ready thank you Jesus he's constant every season of my life he's the same yesterday today and forever and what he did for me 10 years ago he can do it today what he did for you a few years ago He can do it today. What he did in the first century, he can do it in the 21st century because he's the same God. He's the same God with the same unlimited power. And he's still on the throne and nothing can change that. Listen, nothing can change that. When you're wrestling everything that you face in your life, when you kneel at your, at your prayer, at, at, when you kneel at your altar in your prayer closet, you must surrender everything to the throne because nothing can take him off of it and I'm surrendering all my doubt fear all my insecurities all my trouble I'm surrendering at the altar and I'm going to walk in victory because the Lord is for me the Lord is for you you can walk in victory why don't you thank him for the victory the victory that he has set before you I'm finished and so just go ahead and thank him 
Go ahead and thank him. Before this day is over, God, I want you to know how much I thank you. I'm in debt to you. I owe it all to you. And my desire is to present my body a living sacrifice. That my life would be pleasing to you, God. I want to live in a way that's pleasing to you, God. Because I want to hear you say, well done. My good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things and I'll make you rule. I'll make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Enter into the joy of the Lord. When you were in distress, you called on my name. And I kept you. I upheld you. I saved you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, he's good. Thanks, thanks. I give you thanks for all you've done. I am so blessed. My soul has found. Say one more time. Thanks, thanks. I give you thanks. Every eye, every eye toward heaven. Every hand in the air. Thank you, Jesus. I know there are a few announcements that we probably have to. We want to make you aware that our backdrop um, from yesterday's Christmas party is still set up in our fellowship hall. So if you did not get a chance to get a picture yesterday with family and friends, then um, we welcome you to come over there. I will need to run over there and plug in the lights, but um, it is still set up so you can take advantage of that. Um, this week is our regular schedule, Tuesday night prayer at 7 o'clock, Wednesday night service at 7.15, and Sunday is our Christmas program, so there will be one service at noon. Everybody say noon. Yeah. One service at noon. It will be our Christmas program. You don't want to miss it. Our, our children have a play. Our choir is going to be singing. Praise team will be singing. We've got some, some uh, special songs. We've got some special instruments coming. Um, we're going to have some puppets and lots of stuff going on. So you don't want to miss that next Sunday. Just a reminder, the following Sunday, Christmas Eve, December 24th, there will be no service that day. So no service on Sunday, December the 24th. We will go ahead and uh, dismiss. I love and appreciate y'all.
And uh, we'll see you Tuesday night. God bless you.